It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. I had met Joe in probably one of the most, um, how should I say, negative locations you could possibly meet somebody. Never expected to see him in my church services. Because uh, I'd actually met Joe on death row at Walla Walla Penitentiary when he was a waiting execution. And I looked up one Sunday morning, and I was sure I recognized Joe. And sure enough, he was in the service. I had prayed with Joe to receive Christ, never thinking I would ever see him again when I did a stint as uh, assistant to the chaplain of uh, the penitentiary. And there I am, about 12 years later, looking right at what I know is Joe. In a moment, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Hey, I want to pause uh, at this early point in the show and talk to you a little bit about a group uh, of products by a group called Faith Life, a company up in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, some great friends up there, and uh, I've been uh, planning some projects with them. And what they're doing is they're making available their products. If you buy some of their products, they're going to give a stipend back to the radio show here. So how do you go about doing that? Well, look up Faith Life, F-A-I-T-H-L-I-F-E, and they've got programs that are just incredible. I have what I would call their platinum version, which is basically more than you could study in five lifetimes. And uh, I enjoy mine. And they've got uh, Hebrew studies, Greek studies, all the commentaries that have probably been written on most everything are there. Uh, I encourage you to go to Faith Life. Let them know I sent you Faith Life. Just go to your little computer, F-A-I-T-H-L-I-F-E, and put on there, caught on tape with Doug Murin that I sent you. Or you probably can go to my Facebook, which is simply Doug Murin, and uh, you'll you'll see spots on there every once in a while. Faith Life products are uh, easy to use. You just download them into your computer, and you look up a verse, and you can learn anything you want to know. I, I really, it's... They ought to be illegal for preachers to own those because they're never going to work again. So uh, anyway, we're going to come back in a moment with the show, but remember that as we move along. If you uh, uh, want to help support the show as we're uh, moving into some evangelism, I'll talk to you more about it a little later. But let's come back to our topic today, which really is perfect love casting out all fear. Well, First John 4.15, actually moving into verse... 18 even, is one of my favorite verses because it's so telling as to the power of God working through love. But it it also says this. It's very simple in verse 19. It says, God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Uh, By this is perfect love or love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Now, verse Verse 18 now says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Love's a powerful thing. Uh, In subsequent weeks, we're going to be talking about Paul's description of what love looks like. But here, basically, we're learning that there's warfare when it comes to love. And what works in fights against love is spelled out very clearly here. It's fear. Most of us 
have trouble loving at important moments in our life. Oh, some will say because we're selfish, but I've thought about that a lot. I've contemplated on it, and I've looked at my own failings, and I've, I've decided that fear is the enemy of love. It's just about the only enemy because love, as we will study in subsequent weeks, is a, is a vulnerable position to put yourselves in to begin with. It's the only viable option for a believer to experience a full and wonderful life. But love is a vulnerable state. And Paul says here that perfect love has power, and I'm going to add this, has the imperative of casting out all fear. Now, the day that my friend Joe, who would, I had met in the, while working with chaplains in the penitentiary at Walla Walla, stunned me that day when he showed up because I, I, he had killed three people. <laughs> I mean, you got to think about that. And I knew it. I was the only person in the room besides him who knew that, in fact, he had murdered three people, uh, was a heroin addict. And one of them was an elderly woman in her 80s whom he killed to get money to buy heroin for, uh, for uh, from and, and, uh, in, in the University of Washington District of Seattle. And he would, had been sentenced to death, and then his sentence was switched to life. And there was an era where they were releasing many prisoners, and they released Joe. I didn't know that. Now, you can imagine I'm standing and leading a congregation of uh, probably in the room at that time, a couple thousand people in one service, and there's Joe. And I'm going to tell you what I experienced was, was terror because I knew who he was. <laughs> you know, now, now think about that for a moment. I, I knew who he was, but I, but I really didn't. I knew what he had done. I knew what he had done, and I knew— that he was a dangerous guy, probably. And I had no idea they were letting him out of prison. And the shock I had showed that I, I had some, some issues with fear with regard to him, which were probably, let's be honest, were probably justified in great part. I mean, if you were a father, a pastor, you're responsible for people, and you knew there was a murderer turned loose in your midst, you, you would have probably felt, as I did, I could, I'm going to tell you, I could hardly talk. I could hardly speak that morning because I was thinking, oh, my gosh, they've let him out. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I got so selfish. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be, this guy is going to chew up my days one after the other, just getting him back into civilization again. And <clears throat> I, I'm embarrassed to say that, but that everything was going on in my mind but love. I was fearful. I probably had some points of wisdom. Now, I might tell you what I did that that morning, but I I I might hold up here for a minute and let you, let you know how it worked out because it it didn't work out like you would think. But I I have learned this about fear. The real enemy to any of 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 God's work in our life, I've discovered, I really feel will ultimately get down to our fear of something. I was I was afraid of Joe you know, being a murderer in our midst and blocked out love, utterly neutralized any love I might have for him. That fear did. And I've often found in, in marriage counseling uh, that I'll sit and I'll talk couples for a long time. And I, I know in my, my own life, uh, obstacles and turmoil and fighting and uh, anguish. I've, I've learned 
invariably there is a fear there somewhere that's not being addressed by God's power, by God's, and to get this word, I love this the way that John stated it, perfect love. <laughs> not just not just any love, but perfect love. I want to tell you this Christmas season that probably the greatest enemy in your life isn't even real. Because I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I'm persuaded that about 90% of all fears that we have never happen. Think, think about it. I thought about it one day. I, I was uh, talking with someone, and I, I gave them the exercise. I said, okay, I want you to write down everything you're afraid of because it's clearly gumming up your relationships here. What, what are you really afraid of? And with with each other, and uh, they they made their list as they they uh, went went down through the, the 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 cautionary statements, and some of them got nasty and accusing, and and uh, you know it, it it became obvious that fear had so overpowered love in their relationship, this couple's relationship, that we were going to literally possibly have to go back and annihilate every single fear one by one is what i realized it was just it was just fear that was what that was bottlenecking what was going on and and i i sat and meditated on that that day and i think i maybe even wrote a chapter on a book on fear cuz it struck me so clearly that i thought you know nearly everything they brought up that's destroying their marriage right now has never happened <laughs> they're just afraid it will and that's that's the nature of, of fear. Fear is an interesting thing because it works on nothing. Now, wisdom, you know, if you, you sock me upside the head, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, next time I see you, I'm going to have my guard up. That's 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 wisdom. That's a that's a little different. But if I'm if I'm afraid that your cousin that you know might also hit me because you're a hitter, he must be. That's fear. Fear has now got me, uh, you know, expecting what probably isn't going to happen at all. And that's the thing I, d- I discovered in, in my own life and in counseling was that for the most part, the, I'm sure the enemy has a lot to do the, with this of our souls, <clears throat> that if we can get us to fear things that will never happen, you really don't have to do much. So as we, as we enter into these holiday seasons, let's, let's try to get this. Let's, let's grab hold of a little bit here. And talk about fearlessness, because fearlessness isn't just courage. Actually, it's love. Perfect love, trust in God, will annihilate and neutralize every every fear you may have. So this season, I'm going to start off here. We're going to take a break, and let's be thinking about this. Your your capacity to love right now, your capacity to shut down fear could determine how much love you experience this Christmas season. Hey, I've got uh, some some good news. I've been uh, released, encouraged that I can just about take on anything I feel I can. So I'm starting to do this. I'm going to be doing some schools of evangelism in some churches, and I'm open to scheduling them, beginning to do that now. Well, what does that entail? Well, it can entail either a Wednesday, Thursday night or an all-day Saturday session. I can get with a group in your church. Usually in every church, I've found that about 10 to 15% of that church easily does evangelism, but we're nearly never trained. So years ago, I developed an extensive course that was put out by Fuller Church Growth Ministries, 
and was presented in a number of seminaries. Actually, actually, I think I presented it to like 30, 40, 50,000 people at least, maybe more. Uh, prob- prob- probably way more than that. And in uh, Australia, Europe, United States, and everywhere I presented this material, schools of evangelism, how to share your faith, churches begin to grow by conversion growth. Because the, the truth is... Evangelism is rarely happening out in our society right now. Right now, and this week I, I saw some some startling data that uh, uh, really concerned me as to how how little the church is really growing right now. We have some highlights out there that are at least interesting. I don't know if you've been watching the instance with Kanye West. Uh, I'm an optimist, so I cheer him on. I say, "Yeah, that's great, man." Go for it. And uh, I've got a lot of friends who are critical. It's probably not good enough to be doing it, but I don't know. They haven't looked at themselves lately, I don't think, either. But uh, I I, I love evangelism, but I find that a lot of churches lose touch with how it works, how simply it works. And I'm an evangelist. I I pastored for quite a while, but I I don't think I was that great a pastor. I'm I'm a really good evangelist. I I like to, uh, you know, share Christ with people, and God just kind of, you know, Walks me into doors. I've, I've, I've had this happen to me numerous times. One, of, one time I was walking down First Avenue, and this guy walked up to me right on the street and, and, and said, "Are you a Christian?" And I said, "Yeah." And he was kind of a rough-looking guy. And I said, uh, "Why you want to be one?" And he said, "Yes. Can you help me?" And I led him to Christ, and that week got him in a church, made sure he got a ride to church, and uh, that's happened to me two or three times. When you're an evangelist, that kind of stuff just happens, and. I find that churches today have, have left behind the simple task of knowing how to share your faith with somebody, and I, w- I want to do that. So I have an incredible seminar that's probably soon to be released on, on a video course uh, form uh, online through a, through a company. But in the meantime, uh, I'm, I'm available to present that at your church where I can, I can take, I don't care if it's 10 people or 500 people, I can show you how to open doors with people's hearts and explain the gospel in a way that people will most often understand. Because I find the opportunities are always there. We just don't always know, one, how to spot them. Two, we don't know how to get the conversation started. And three, we don't know what to do when they get interested. Uh, The first time I shared Christ, I went into a park, and there were kids smoking pot and everything all around. And I I stood up next to a candidate and said, I want to talk to you guys about something. And, and they all stopped and looked at me, and I said, "I met Christ a little while ago, and I think you really ought to give him a give him a look because uh, I I I think he's your savior." And uh, about a hundred and plus kids, it ended up being actually I remember the number now exactly ninety six uh, received Christ. They actually followed me to what was a uh, like a Youth for Christ house that was near this park. And they jammed everywhere into this house, and I had to have somebody else show me how to do it. I didn't know how you do this. And and we had actually almost 100 kids receive Christ just because somebody, you know, started talking about Jesus. I found over the years that not everybody's that good at it. Uh, and don't give yourself an easy out just say, well, I'm not good at it. Because the, the, the truth is... There are certain people gifted at it. In every church, I'm convinced it's between 10 and 15% of the people are good at it. And I like to get to that group of people and give you some skill sets and all that. So if you're interested in that, the Murin Group, which hosts the show, 
has some seminars we'll put on your church. Uh, I I don't even know what to charge it, so we'll have to discuss that when you call me. You got you got to at least pay my gas to get there. So, uh, uh, but if if you'd be interested, I feel called to do that these next few uh, years. So, if you want to find out more about the seminars and learning, just go to dougmirenradio.com, and in there you can leave a message for me, and I promise you I will get back to you uh, as soon as I can. Uh, on handling that. Again, that website is DougMearnRadio.com. Thank you. And another way to support the Caught on Tape broadcast, when you purchase Logos Bible software products, a portion of those proceeds will benefit this radio program. Just go to Logos.com slash Caught on Tape. That's Logos.com slash Caught on Tape. And now back to more Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. It wasn't but about two years later that God gave me a chance to sort of recover myself from my faux pas with Joe. I was so riddled with fear that morning when I saw him. I actually didn't even say hi to him. I'm embarrassed to tell you that. I'm a pastor who loves lost people, but the fact that Joe's sins and crimes were bigger than I had grace to forgive, I guess. He was a murderer. I I literally disappeared, and you know, I was I was crushed, and if you've ever had an experience like that where you don't live up to who you know you are and for certain don't give to others what others have given to you, and people have forgiven me, and I'd not killed anybody, but uh, what what happened was I got up to my office that morning, and I sat down, and I was so ashamed of myself, and we were doing like five to seven services. I can't remember which right now. And, I thought, I got to go catch him. So I told the guy, start, you're going to start services. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to find him. I went car to car in our parking lot looking for Joe. I went to every, every room in the building. I went every direction. I tried to find Joe because I, I know he knew that I saw him. And I knew that he knew I deliberately evaded him. I let him down. I, I, I was not at all a person that I said I was. I lacked integrity. I lacked concern because I had let fear cast love right out of my heart. I was, I was, what was I afraid of? Well, I, I was, I was afraid for, for my friends, to be honest. I, I didn't know what state he was in, I'm sh- but I could have handled it so differently and I've hated fear since that day because of that, because I'm convinced that there's nothing that keeps us from loving those around us and helping those in need of the message of Jesus more than fear. We're, we're afraid of people so we don't reach out to them and love them. And I find churches that break into evangelism, persons that do, get such a a a saturation in God's love, his perfect love, that their fears begin to evade and and go away. You know, I, that's why I do these shows, because I, I'm positive there are people listening right now who've who've never received Christ and and God loves you and and you're probably afraid to go where you might be exposed. And it's one of the reasons I 
tell this story because I think when people are honest about what we deal with, I think we can trust one another and say, okay, we're all, we're all kind of, you know, we're all basically morons when it gets down to it at certain things. And I find this love fear thing is one of them. Otherwise our marriages would be happier or relationships on the job would be better. Churches certainly would have far less conflict if we had far less fear and far more love. I, I, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, Perfect fear will cast out all love, <laughs> just like perfect love will cast out all fear. So I want to uh, encourage you today to think about what happened with Joe. Okay, what, 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 what did happen with Joe? I'm going to tell you what happened with Joe in just a second when we come back. Again, if you want to help the show, we, we are this Christmas season. I'm, I'm wanting to put out some three- and five-minute shows on FM radio around Christmas time. How uh, they're, they're just kind of like stories about things that happen in people's life that are that amounted to receiving Christ. I need some help paying for that stuff. I've got a bunch of it paid for, but I need a little bit more. I, I need your help with the show here. And I, this season, if you can help me get uh, the word out in places and stations that people would never expect, get a hold of me at DougMurinRadio.com because I'm an evangelist and that's what we're going at. And I'd love to hear from you. You know what happened to Joe? I found Joe. I I could not stand myself, and I I spent weeks trying to find him. I got a hold of parole boards. I got hold of people that I thought might know who he was, and I found Joe. And I encouraged Joe. Said, "Hey, you can come back." Turned out Joe was living in an entirely different city, and he just came for a visit. And I'll tell you what, he was stunned when I said, "Joe, I let you down." I did not, I did not, I was not excited to see you, I'm going to tell you. I did not trust you, and I'm sorry, and I apologize because God did do a work in you, and you were welcomed, and I just, I just, I'm just so, so sorry. Would you forgive me for allowing fear to keep me from loving you? I leave you with that today, and I just say, maybe this season, it's time to silence all of our fears so in the season of God's love being manifest through his son, born of a virgin, we just decide, let's destroy fear simply by expressing love. God bless you, and thank you for listening today, and thank you for responding. We uh, love everybody, and we just are excited that we get to come into a new year. Just a year ago, they were telling me I wouldn't be here, and here I am. So have a great holidays. This is Doug Murin signing off. And another way to support the Caught on Tape broadcast, when you purchase Logos Bible software products, a portion of those proceeds will benefit this radio program. Just go to Logos.com slash Caught on Tape. That's Logos.com slash Caught on Tape. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, Caught on Tape, at 1806 Fifth Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. Or online at DougMurinRadio.com.